Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. You're listening to a special interview series as part of a documentary W2D1 is producing about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. On the episode today, we have... G'day, I'm Matt Bullock. I'm the CEO and founder of Spinify. Spinify, it's a gamification platform and what it does is help motivate staff by giving them visibility of data and then helping them feel recognised when they do something. So all that's about is creating competitions, having fun and moving the needle. How and why did you get interested in the concept of gamification? Yeah, cool. So I, I had a, a company called eWay that I started 25, so I don't know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that company uh, was a payment company. And if you bought something in Australia, I probably did the payment. So it was doing $6 billion a year, 25,000 customers like Kogan, Catch a Day, and, and many, many others. And, and of that whole world, uh, in my, I was in five countries, but in my head office here, I had uh, 80 staff, but I had 72 TVs. And those 72 TVs, I used different software. I wrote my own software and I was always trying to uh, get the most out of everyone. And uh, when I sold my company, which I, I didn't mean to, but I met some people in Vegas and that was a great story. And, and, that, and it happened. And then, and then from that, I, I went, you know, what do I really like doing? And I really like TVs. So I looked at all the software that was out there and I just thought we could do a better job. And then we've spent the last five and a bit years doing that. We're now in 28 countries and have 400 and something thousand leaderboards running. 
there's so much that just happened just then um, that yeah. I have questions about. Um, but we'll, we'll get to those questions probably through the course of your, your journey. So, so can you take us right back? Uh, when, when would you say you first got you know, exposed to this startup world? And I'm, you know, I'm looking at this and it says November 1998 EY, but was there anything before that? Oh, I was always like someone who starts a startup, always trying to do something, but nothing ever really happened. I mean, I'm 50. Uh, it's uh, to people that's probably like 5,000 years ago. So when, when I was doing it, there was no real thing as a startup or community or anything. It was, yeah. it was, it was weird. It was like when I was at school and I went to Parks High, which is near Dubbo, uh, and there was like four or five of us who were into computers and everyone else just thought you were a nerd and weird. <laughs> and, and, it, and startups that time was the same thing. You're going to do what? I mean, I remember at the time, asking 10, 15 good friends, you know, what do you think of the idea? And they all told me I was stupid. Like, you're going to do what? That, and that's before it was a cool thing to do. Yeah, tough thing to do. 1998, what else? Can Just give me a little bit of a history lesson around payments. Um, was there anything else happening in Australia like from the pay, on the payments side? Of yeah, there was stuff, but there wasn't really much of it. I mean, just to understand it, the servers were in my house. I used to have a 64K ISDN line. I had a... A modem that dialed up to the bank, that you know, bing, bing, bing sounds uh, for 30 seconds to do the payment. So it was very, very different to what it is now. And, and you had to build everything yourself. Like now you can just get so many things and plug them in and use them and just build something very quickly. But I, did, I, I was the hosting provider. I, I was everything. Uh, it's just how things used to be. You used to have to just do everything yourself. Yeah, I was. I did an interview with Steve Baxter uh, a few weeks ago, and he was telling a story about how he started his. Uh, in, I think he was an ISP. Started an ISP, and he just had all the servers in his house. Yeah, I had forty servers in my house. I was single, of course. <laughs> how did you? But so you got the background. You did a Bachelor of Computer Science. Yeah. Uh, in mathematics, so there's no real. I can't see any kind of you know finance or payment related stuff in your history. No, so I, I wrote some software uh, that used to make drop-down menus that are now just included in HTML, mm. and I was selling it, and I was selling it through PayPal, and I just thought that's just painful. Ah. I thought there has to be a better way of doing this, and then I I got approached by a local company in Canberra to uh, to help build their payments out for Medibank Private, and I went, oh, yeah, I could I can do that, and I figured I had to do it for them, and I went, I can do that for other people, and then I I had fifty thousand dollars, and then I just bought this very expensive hardware and started building it. So there's probably a lot that we're not going to have time to go over in the 17-year you know, history of eWay um, from you starting it to, right through to selling it. But I do want to touch on that story that you just mentioned in Vegas. What happened? So I met some people here at an Amex function. They, they got acquired. They told me about I should talk to these people and I'd spoken to people before, but I had no desire whatsoever to to sell uh, and anyway i was at a payment show there i met them they offered me a future multiple that was something like seven times future revenue and a, it was 134 times ebit or something i i text my cfo i was like how much is that and i was like wow that's a lot of money <laughs> and and then uh they so i had a meal with them they talked to them for two hours they really liked me uh i really liked them uh they talked about how they weren't going to muck things around that was just going to be a straightforward process which all sounded exciting. Uh, they said to me, do I like Lenny Kravis? And I said, I love Lenny Kravis. Uh, Bain then booked out a nightclub with, I think there was like less than 100 people in it. And, and I went and watched uh, Lenny Kravis with, with them. Uh, then Snoop Dogg was on. 
well, I didn't even know who it was, which also shows a bit about me. <laughs> uh, and, and then from that process on, then it just took six months of uh, anyone who does a deal, uh, M&A, yeah. uh, where I used EY, which was amazing. But just that whole process of trying to hit your numbers, run the business, answer seven questions that you've already answered the seven days before, and if you don't answer the deal's over and just on and on and on and on, but like it is with M&A. And uh, it was a it was a good deal for them. It was a good deal for me, and uh, I just decided to do it. So I imagine, and not knowing, but I imagine you probably didn't really need to go and start Spinify. No, I didn't need to before anyway. So Spinify was paying me more than that. Uh, anyway, was paying me more than enough money as well. And um, I had a good lifestyle, you know, nice house, cars, that sort of thing. And I didn't need to, but it's the same thing for this. So, you know, I definitely didn't need to. Uh, but for me, it's about doing something mm. and, and having that impact. So what I used to like about eWay was that, you know, three and a half million people each month used to get something in the mail and that we were we were part of that and helping people. And and with Spinify, it's about helping people all around the world actually enjoy their job, their life in the in, in work and, and not feeling that whole, I don't know what's going on, no one's really telling me, and actually understanding the data, not talking to a manager once a month, but actually seeing it, being able to change it, and then have fun and play your own favorite song when you actually do a deal. So for me, it's just another way of giving back. Yeah. Can we just rewind for a sec to just to eway for a second? How do you build a company like that? Uh, what one small step at a time, yeah. and millions of steps. I didn't. I never got funding, and it was just constant. Get some money, hire some people. Get some money, hire some people. More customers, more money, and just step by step. And and really, what it was for me was get a bank get another bank, get a shopping cart. And by the end of it, we had all the shopping carts and we had all the banks. Mm. And just it, that's what a gateway is, creating that network. And having many, many years, like I had – I got started off with St. George Bank and all the other banks wouldn't touch me and just constantly just kept on going. So I think it took me seven-plus years before NAB decided to connect to me mm. or allowed me to connect to them, and then they ended up being my biggest partner in the end. How Can, can I ask, how, how did you sell? Was it did you, St. George, did you say? St. George is where I first started. Yeah. How, how did you? Like the first bank. So when I had one bank, I would tell everyone that all the other banks are no good and you should just use this bank. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's whatever is the spin to make it happen to, to do the deal. Yeah. I found that, um, as, you know, creating these these podcast concepts and, and getting the first partner on board really and leveraging that. 100%. But the, tr- the trick is getting the first one. Yeah. How did you convince St. George to go, yeah, okay, we'll partner with you? You know, I, I think from all of it, I just, I asked them. Uh, and at the time, I only had a motorbike. I didn't have a car license, so I got someone to drive me to Sydney. I met Easy Merchant. A mate drove me there, Tony Bartlett. Uh, I met Easy Merchant. They agreed to connect to me, so then I had a shopping cart. So now I had a bank on one side and I had a shopping cart on the other side, and that's all I just kept replicating everywhere. Mm. And the whole thing was I'd say to A and Z going, hey, I've got St. George and can I get you? Well, hey, I've got Easy Merchant. Can I get you? And it just kept on snowballing. A lot of effort of just asking people. And at the time, there wasn't many options in Australia anyway. Mm. And I, and I made it super easy. And I guess the big thing I learned about all of it compared to all my competitors was that I, none of them put price up. I, I put price up, and then I was a hundred percent focused on the customer more than any of the rest of them. Were all focused on the money and the big deals, and I didn't care about any of them. And I just wanted all the small deals and every deal, and that. And, and eventually we got all the big deals as well. 
but because I st- I focused on just getting customers mm. and keeping them and making them happy. Was that the was, was has that been your kind of philosophy right through your business journey? And is that the biggest thing you took took away from eWay is focus on the customer? Yeah, I mean, I got that from Salesforce and listening to Benny often all the times I, I went over there, and, and they really are a customer company and being that customer company and making everyone in the company know that we're here to serve that customer. Mm. So so you exited eWay in 2016. At what point did you have the bandwidth to stick your head up and start noticing what was happening in Australia in terms of startups? So, yeah, so I, I was doing more and more of that at the end of eWay, like just trying to help people, mentor people, get people in the office, talk to people. Hmm. Uh, I, I did the 1% pledge with uh, the Atlassian guys, which was cool as well. Hmm. I, I put a million dollars into a foundation that we, we give 50000 away every year. And uh, the first uh, probably two years of doing Spinify, my 1% probably turned into somewhere between 10 and 20% where I was just mentoring people, helping people, just spending a lot of time giving people advice. Why is that important to you? Uh, just giving back. I mean, I, I don't actually, I don't know why why I do anything really. It's all just what it is. It's just what I, I have an idea, something happens and it just keeps on going. When did you, um, or, you know, feel free to skip this question if you don't really have an answer, but did you, when did you start to see the this, you know, inverted commas startup ecosystem uh, start to take off in Australia? I think in the end of for me of eWay with that, those that time was was definitely there with people building e-commerce sites, mm. and, and for me that was already a, a larger medium-sized business. I wasn't I didn't really feel it, but from doing Spinify, I started with a blank page. I was going up against competitors that had been in business for seven years, and I didn't I had one line of code, so I I totally now really get that pain of what it is when I didn't really get it because it was so long for me building eWay. But you know, things I've learned is really you think you know what MVP is but really know what MVP is. And I think that as a startup, and I've seen it so many times that people just get focused on trying to build something and it's not quite ready and it's not good enough. But just get those first 50 customers was was a real lesson. And keep them is, is tough. But understanding what's, what's the minimal thing that we need to build here that's going to tick something off from, to win them. Are there any lessons that you took out of eWay that gave you a bit of a competitive advantage going into Spinify? Yeah, like uh, no servers. <laughs> so I had, I had, I don't know, a hundred and something servers in three different data centers. This time I'm built on serverless. I don't, I don't have any on, on AWS. I have no servers. So that's just a, a completely different world for me. Uh, I also, I, I hired a lot of people on Upwork. I've hired like 250 plus people on Upwork. Uh, that was really difficult for me to do in in the other business. This business, I can bring people on, I can get people out, I can I can get lots of people doing the same thing at the same time. So I, I'm so much faster. What I've done in the last five years in this company would have taken me 15 in Neway. Mm. Jumping, we, you know, I said this. Thing, I think I said at the start of this interview, we're going to follow your journey chronologically. That's not happening, and that's my fault. No, but that's just me as well. <laughs> Jumping forward to present day for a sec, what are some of the biggest gaps that you see? Like where, do, what's wrong with the ecosystem today and, and where can we make the biggest improvements in your opinion? I think the hardest thing for any person as a startup is, you know, you've, you might have a, you have a job, when do you get off that and when do you start it? Mm. So that plenty of times that I see a startup and they're, they're doing it but they've got the other job 
And it's like, when do you get in? When do you dig into it? Like that's that's a hard thing for people to be able to do. Mm. And, I, and I think part of that also is funding from the government or funding from large companies. Like just everyone should just give so much more funding to help people who have ideas, who have passion to actually do something. Right now you have to do a lot of it all yourself and take a massive risk. It's easier in some respects, but it's also harder in how much competition's there. But the, the level of funding is just not there. It's tiny. On a positive side, what do you think we're doing really well? Well, there's more and more startups, which I think is that is just a cool thing, right? Because what's really exciting is getting all these different startups together and going, I'll use a bit of this one, a bit of that one, and they all that, and, and building them all up to add to your own product I think is great. And there's so much product out there. And there's so many, and there's so many ideas out there as well. Like pe- people are having a go. There's just a lot more people that could have a go, but it's it's changing. And, and what's good about that is that when you do get a startup and you do make it work, you, you hire people, you change their lives, you change your customers' lives, and you, you make a difference, which is the number one thing, I think. How, how important are organizations like, like the Canberra Innovation Networks of Australia to helping the ecosystem grow? If, if they don't exist, there is no ecosystem because there is nowhere to go really. And, and I didn't have anything like that. And the amount of people there are just willing to help. Mm. There's just a massive culture of help. What do you need? Do you have an unpopular opinion about the Australian startup ecosystem? You know, just something that you... A, f- a firm believer of, but you just can't seem to get other people on the same page. I think it goes back to what I was saying before. It's about money. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that the ACT government gives about a million bucks a year. What's a million dollars compared to all the other projects and everything else they fund? The, the difference is with anyone that chucks, any of the governments that chuck in that money, what comes out on the other side is huge. I mean, for me, I look at how much support that I got and I, I paid a stupid amount of tax. In, in, just like you do when you do an exit. Mm. It's terrible. And I, I wish that money could have, instead of just going into the federal government bucket of nothing, part of it could have at least gone to doing something with startups. I think as a whole, we just don't give enough money in government to startups that are trying to do something. Sure, you've got to have rules and criteria so you're not just chucking it up against the wall. But there's there's definitely people that if they were helped with just small amounts of money would make massive difference and hire a lot more people, change the economy, when the world's a service business. It doesn't just have to be about products. And we could do it if we just spent the money on it. But we we spend so much, so little rather, than what it it is that we should spend. Silly, silly follow-up question, but why? Why don't they? I'm stuffed if I know. I, I, I just don't get it. I guess maybe it's about the risk associated with it. Maybe it's about they think the voters don't think it's a popular thing to do. I, I, I don't understand why the hell we don't. Mm. I think it's crazy that we don't. Yeah, I, if we did, like even if we just times by two, times it by 10, times it by 100, it would just make such a massive impact to everyone. This is kind of, you know, you're an expert in residence at Seabrun. Uh, you, you said you've, you, you talk to a lot of people, give advice. If a brand new founder came to you tomorrow, what would you tell them? Like what one piece of advice would you give them? I, I guess the, the big one is um, don't stop. Mm. When surrounded by people telling you no, don't stop. The only, the only small part on that is make sure that you're, what you're building has a need because quite often people get stuck on an idea 
And that is that idea commercial? And you go, well, no one else is doing it. And go, yeah, there's a reason no one else is doing it because it's stupid. Or there's a hundred people have done it. And no one's ever made money out of it. So I think I think don't give up. But on the on the other side of that, make sure you've got competition and make sure you're going to beat them. I want to touch on Spinify just for a second. For people for like new entrepreneurs out there that have an idea, mm-hmm. like when so when you had this idea for Spinify, like what did your first month look like? Like how did you start to implement that idea and get it going? Just hiring a ton of people on Upwork. Oh yes, yeah. Just hiring. So the way I would do it is I'd hire three people, sometimes five people, just to do the same thing, and I go right. You're too slow. You haven't responded. Okay, you two are good. You two can even do the same task. They won't even know and then figure out what it is and put it together. But I, I couldn't do that in Australia if I was hiring people, but I could do it very quickly from Upwork and I've hired people, I think, in just about every country on the planet. Why did you do it that way? Is that important to not give every you know one person the whole, the whole puzzle? Oh, no, it's just speed. Mm. Speed and knowing that I've got five people doing, solving the same problem and I've got one that's now a star, that person can keep – it's an interview process as well, right? Yeah, right. They can now work for you for a couple of years, but – it, it's just about getting things done simultaneously as opposed to I'll do this, wait for that to be done, then I'll do this, doing many, many things at the same time. So you essentially, in, yeah, you're just that project manager. Yeah, I even had, I hired people that were project managing them. <laughs> the last question, I just want to give you, you know, two, three, four, five minutes to whatever is top of mind, keeping in mind that we're trying to create a, a six-part documentary here that will as honestly as possible and like tell the mm-hmm. real story, not just some story that someone wants us to tell, as holistically as possible, tell that story of the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. We want everybody to listen to this documentary, founders, investors, policymakers, academics, yep. any one of those categories or all of them, Like, what do you want to tell them? Uh, for, for me with startups, it's the same message I had anyway is – if you're thinking about doing a business, go and do that business. Figure out what it is that you've got to do to make it happen and just make it happen. There's a thousand reasons why you can't do something and you've just got to find the reason why you can do something. And then you've just got to keep pushing through and and believe in why you should do it and try and make that change and make that difference. But passion is the big thing. If you've got the idea because ideas are cheap and passionate and follow through, with, with a commitment and, and focus on just getting that first sale, getting that first 50 deals. And, and I think one of the things that's lacking from founders is that quite often they don't think about that as a founder, you also have to be a person who sells and you have to be the best person who sells. And, and they get quite nervous about it. And that, that's something that you just have to do because if you don't want to sell, I don't really reckon you should be, should be doing a business because you should be the best at selling it. And, and that's got to, again, come through from, from passion and being able to articulate what you're doing, why you're doing it, and why people should buy it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, follow-up question. Like, yes, I get that. I get the sales side of things. Um, why do you think – is it just people that just – the connotation associated with sales, the word sales, they don't want to be a salesperson? Yeah, I think people don't want to be a salesperson because – and also ideas are cheap and you can – building a product is easy in the fact that you can just go, yeah, let's add another door, let's add another window, let's make it 50 stories high, and you can just keep on building, mm. and no one questions you. When you've got customers and say, why is the door sideways, and why, why do you have a window that opens backwards? All those things that you go, oh, yeah, okay. But then selling someone and actually even asking someone for money is hard. Mm. But 
when you're just sitting in your room stacking up blocks or whatever else, it's not it's not as hard. Not not building a product is 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 not an easy thing either. Everything I think to do with a startup is hard, but selling is really tough. Convincing someone that you're the right solution and for them to give you money is a hard thing. What what would you tell that founder that is you know too hesitant to to do that? How would you kick them up the bum, or would you just tell them it's not for you? No, I, I would I would say to them because everyone can change. I would say this is something you need to fix. So just because you don't do it today, work on it and what you got to do. Uh, I use tools like Gong.io, but there's a ton more. So when you do calls with people, review them yourself. Find all the things that are busted and fix them. And that's all it is, is just finding every single little thing from the pitch, from, from the questions that you ask someone when you, when you do something, when you do a, a demo or whatever it is that you're showing to them. And just look for all the changes. And, and every time you think, yeah, I've got the sales press process right, you never will. You'll find another one. Mm-hmm. And you find one every single day. And I guess the biggest one on top of all that uh, is deal with objections. Instead of just accepting someone when they tell you why they can't buy the product, ask why. And if you keep asking why and you keep listening, eventually you'll break them down and there's nowhere left them to go but for them to buy. I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.